0: Michael Flynn walks away a free man as the FBI drops the case against him. Dr. Anthony Fauci testifies before the Senate remotely. And South Korea promotes the test, trace, and contain method to stop the virus. I'm Eli Keltson, and this is the Teenager's Guide to Politics. Hey everyone, thanks for checking out the podcast. Before we begin the show today, I just wanted to quickly describe what the premise of the podcast is about. So one of my goals when I was creating this podcast was to simplify the news down into basic segments where anyone can be informed and have a firm foundation on how American politics behave. Secondly, I want people to be influenced by facts and not rhetoric. So my job is to inform people the facts, then you can formulate your personal opinion from there. Finally, I don't want any of my listeners to be misled by politicians' agendas. I want to help develop critical thinking skills in order to tell if a politician is manipulating you. Again, thank you for checking out the podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Alrighty, after an extraordinary public campaign by President Donald Trump and his allies, the Justice Department dropped its criminal case on Thursday against Michael Flynn, Mr. Trump's first national security advisor. Mr. Flynn had previously pled guilty twice to lying to the FBI agents about his conversations with a Russian diplomat during the presidential transition in late 2016. The move was the latest example of Attorney General William Barr's effort to chisel away at the results of the Russian investigation, documents that Mr. Flynn's lawyers cited as evidence of prosecutorial misconduction was turned over as part of the review by an outside prosecutor, whom Mr. Barr assigned to re-examine the case. Mr. Barr has cast doubt not only on some of the prosecutions in the investigation but also on its premise, assigning another independent prosecutor to scrutinize its origins. The decision for the government to throw out a case after a defendant had already pled guilty was highly unusual. Former prosecutors struggled to point out any precedent in portrayal of the Justice Department justification as dubious. By abandoning the case, the department undid what has been one of the first significant acts of the special counsel investigation and possible ties between the Donald Trump campaign and Russia's 2016 election interference. Though Mr. Trump fired Mr. Flynn Weeks in his presidency for lying to Vice President Mike Pence about the conversations with the diplomat, he has long compli- has a long and complicated past that has a corrupt few at the FBI mistreated Mr. Flynn and suggested that he might pardon himself. Law enforcement officials dropped the charges, took issue with the FBI's interview of Mr. Flynn in early 2016 as part of the Russian investigation that Robert Mueller later took over agents questioning quote, was untethered to and unjustified by the FBI's counterintelligence investigation into Mr. Flynn, end quote. The acting U.S. attorney in Washington, Timothy Shea, wrote in a motion to dismiss the charges. Prosecutors said that the case fell short of the legal standard that Mr. Flynn's lies be materially relevant to the matter under investigation. Quote, the government is not prosecuted that the January 24th, 2017 interview was not conducted with a legitimate investigation basis and therefore does not believe that Mr. Flynn's statements were material, even if untrue. Mr. Shea wrote, Democrats condemned the move, quote, a a politicized and thoroughly corrupt Department of Justice is going to let the president's corny simply walk away, end quote, said Representative Gerald Nadler, Democrat of New York and the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, quote, Americans our right to be fierce and worried about the continued erosion of our rule of law, end quote, he said. He would ask the Justice Department Inspector General to investigate and work to secure Mr. Barr's testimony before his committee as soon as possible. In dropping the charges, law enforcement officials abandoned the stance. <clears throat> Excuse me. They abandoned the stance to secure Mr. Barr's testimony before his committee as soon as possible in dropping the charges law enforcement officials abandoned the stance of career prosecution who have been made on the case who had urged that mr flynn conversations with the russian ambassador to the united states at the time sergey kislak went to the heart of the fbi's trump russia investigation mr trump told reporters on thursday that mr flynn was an, a quote an innocent man and accused the obama administration officials of targeting him to try to take down a president he angrily torn to his unnamed prosecutors. I hope a lot of people are going to pay a big price because this is honesty and crooked people, unquote. Mr. Trump said, they're scru- they're they're scum, and I say it a lot. They're scum, they're human scum. They should never be have done this to this country, unquote. Mr. Barr explained that the decision as an effort to restore confidence in the system and that law enforcement officials had a duty to dismiss the charges. He said he was doing the law's bidding, not Mr. Trump's, and the Justice Department said that it it did not brief the White House before it dropped the charges. Quote, partisan feelings are so strong that people have lost any sense of justice, end quote, Mr. Barr said in an interview with CBS News. asked whether Mr. Flynn lied, Mr. Barr said that people sometimes plead to things that turn out not to be crimes. Sidney Powell, Mr. Flynn's lawyer, said on a Fox Business Network that she and her client were relieved and gratified that Mr. Barr withdrew the case. She called the decision a restoration of the rule of law. Mr. Flynn pled guilty in December of 2017 to lying to the FBI FBI about his conversations with Mr. Kishek during the presidential transition. He had also entered a guilty plea a second time in 2016 at an aborted sentence hearing. At the time, Mr. Flynn said he knew that lying to the FBI was a crime and accepted responsibility for what he had done. The climactic move by the Justice Department appeared to be brewing in recent days after the outside prosecutors were reviewing the case, said they have found new documents that could possibly expropriate and raise the hopes of Mr. Flynn's lawyers and vocal supporters that he would be exonerated. One of the documents showed that the FBI was on the verge of closing a counterintelligence investigation into Mr. Flynn's ties to Russia in early January 2017. Mr. Shea, a longtime trusted advisor of Mr. Barr's, said in a court find that the FBI's agents had no reason to interview Mr. Flynn at the White House weeks later. In a possible sign of disagreement, Brandon L. Grack, the Justice Department lawyer who led the prosecution of Mr. Flynn, abruptly withdrew from the case on Thursday. Mr. Flynn's lawyers have repeatedly attacked Mr. Grack by, na- by name in court filing, citing his incredible malfeasance. Other prosecutors in Mr. Shay's office were stunned by this decision to drop the case. According to a person who spoke with several lawyers in the day, neither Mr. Grack nor other career prosecutors have worked on the Flynn case over the past two years and signed their names to Mr. Shay's court. Filings It is now up to the federal judge in Washington, D.C. overseeing the case, Emmett Sullivan, to decide whether to dismiss it or close off the possibility that Mr. Flynn could be tried again for the same crime. If the judge wants, he could ask for a written submission and hold a hearing on the topic. Judge Sullivan, who accepted Mr. Flynn's original guilty plea, could also weigh in on whether he believes any of the new material that the government has produced to Mr. Flynn's lawyers represents a violation on the part of the Justice Department or its lawyers who work on the case. The White House was prepared for the possibility of Mr. Trump pardoning Mr. Flynn last week, according to people familiar with the discussion, but some advisors urged the president to let the case play out. During a convention that year, after winning the election, Mr. Trump said Mr. Flynn is national security advisor. In late December 2016, Mr. Flynn and Mr. Kislyak, the Russian ambassador, spoke on the phone shortly after the Obama administration placed sanctions on Russia for interfering in the election, and Mr. Flynn advised that the Russians hold off on escalating in response. The FBI had had been close to closing its inquiry into Mr. Flynn, but as investigators discovered the conversation early January through routine government wiretaps of Mr. Kislyak, and as they learned in subsequent days that he tried to lie to other White House officials after about them, they began to conclude that they had a reason to suspect that Mr. Flynn constituted a national security threat. Law enforcement officials warned that White House, that Russia could have blackmailed Mr. Flynn. But seeing no move by Mr. Trump to address the issue, the FBI agents decided to question Mr. Flynn when he repeatedly made false statements about his talks with Mr. Kislyak. Yet the agents felt, quote, like it was no clear to them that he was, you know, lying or dis- dispelling. End quote. Andrew McCabe, the FBI direct- deputy director at the time, told congressional in- investigators in an interview released on Thursday as part of a thousand pages of witness testimony from the House Intelligence Committee on own Russian in- inquiry. Investigators knew Mr. Flynn's statements were inconsistent with what he had told Mr. Flynn, Mr. Kislyak. Mr. McCabe said, the transcripts seem ambiguous. Mr. Flynn brought up sanctions, according to Mary McCord, a former top national security lawyer at the Justice Department, who reviewed the documents. It was hard to imagine that Mr. Flynn, quote, would forget talking about something he raised, end quote. She told special counsel investigators, according to the court papers, but Mr. Shea argued that the FBI should have never interviewed Mr. Flynn. Agents had no need to speak with him because they were on the verge of closing the inquiry and also knew that was said on the call because of the transcripts. Mr. Shea also dismissed FBI concerns about Mr. Mr. Flynn lying to Mr. Pence and to a White House spokesman at the time, Sean Spicer, about the call. Both provided misinformation to the public, but Mr. Shea said that the statement did not provide a separate or distinct basis for an investigation, he added. The FBI officials were so worried they should have talked to Mr. Pence and Mr. Spicer quote, the frail and shifting justification for what's going on with the probe of Mr. Flynn, as well as the irregular procedures that preceded his interview, suggested the FBI was eager to interview Mr. Flynn, irrespectively or any underlying investigation, end quote. Mr. Shea wrote, later than a month after the interview, Mr. Flynn was forced to resign. According to the White House at the time, he was forced out because he was not forthcoming with Mr. Pence about his conversations with Mr. Kislyak. Mr. Shea said that the government should not prove at any trial that Mr. Flynn lied. The admission was striking because agents had given Mr. Flynn repeated opportunities during questioning to correct his misstatements. Prosecutors had previously said that Mr. Flynn lied because he was locked into the story he had told Mr. Pence. Mr. Shea also said that he was unconcerned that prosecutors could prove that Mr. Flynn's false statements were material to the Russian investigation. Mr. Grack said earlier in court that, filings that, quote, the topics of sanctions went to the heart of the FBI's counterintelligence investigation. He said that any effort to undermine those sanctions could have been evidence of links or coordinations between the Trump campaign and Russia, end quote. Judge Sullivan had also said that Mr. Flynn's statements were material to the Russia inquiry. Mr. Flynn cooperated extensively with the Justice Department before hiring new lawyers last year and later, later moving to withdraw his plea. Ms. Powell had accused prosecutors in a blizzard of court filings of bad faith, pressuring her client to cooperate and withhold expulsory evidence. Judge Sullivan forcefully rejected most of these claims. Last summer, Ms. Powell wrote to Mr. Barr to suggest that new prosecutors review the case, expressing her fervent hope that you and the Justice Department will use this case to restore integrity and trust in the department, end quote. She then confidently predicted three months later on Fox News Business, that the case would be dropped. At the time, prosecutors had not yet begun to review it. Alrighty, we're going to move on to our coronavirus related news and about Dr. Anthony Fauci testifying before the Senate, which pertains to the reopening of the economy and our social institutions and how we go about doing it before this uncertain time that's ahead. So on one point, Dr. Fauci said that the government is focusing on several different vaccine candidates using the hockey term multiple shots on goal to describe the increased chances that one would work. Additionally, he said if more than one is successful, that would help increase the availability of the vaccines globally. Fauci appeared remotely due to the concerns that he might have been exposed to the coronavirus. Multiple senators also re- appeared virtually for the hearing, including Senator Lamar Alexander, for, of Republican from Tennessee, the chairman of the committee, and ranking member Senator Patty Murray, a Democrat from Washington. Quote, after consulting with Dr. Fauci and in an absence of caution for our witnesses, senators, and the staff, all four administrations witnessed... Will appear by video conference due to these unusual circumstances, Alexander said in a statement. Alexander, in his opening remarks, emphasized the necessity of testing and also said that the government might make an effort to mass manufacture a vaccine before it's proven to work so it can be quickly distributed once it's officially approved. Quote, those vaccines, those treatments, are the ultimate solution, he said. But until we have them, all roads back to work and school go through testing. Murray wasted no time hating the president in her opening remarks, quote, "'Families across the country are counting on us for the truth about the COVID-19 pandemic, especially it is clear that they will not get it from the president,' she said. "'Truth is essential. The president isn't telling the truth. We must, and our witnesses must,' End quote. She also criticized the Trump administration's tangible response to the virus, saying it has been marked by delays and insufficient assistance to states and health professionals. Additionally, she advocated for additional coronavirus stimulus bills. Side note, we've already racked up around $16 trillion for this coronavirus stimulus package to our national debt, so I don't know how another 3 to $4 trillion would feel to to our debtors and creditors, just the United States credit score would just go down and it would be terrible. So I don't know if another stimulus package would be the correct um, medicine or treatment to the uh, uh, the economy before we head back to work. Additionally, she advocated for, again, she additionally, she advocated for another coronavirus stimulus bill to help ease the burden of the economic shutdowns across the country aimed at slowing the spread of the virus. Oh, also another tangent. When we're when the Federal Reserve is just printing money, that's pursuing an uh, inflationary monetary policy, and what we're going to see is that prices are going to skyrocket for any goods or services that are produced within this country. And as the payroll checks from the government stimulus package come out, they're not going to be adjusted inflate. They're not going to be adjusted inflationary. So that means that they're not going to be able to buy as much resources that they as much as they usually would if a normal economy was working. So that's just another scary point about the stimulus package deals. <clears throat> All right, so the economic shutdowns across the country aim at slowing the spread of the virus. Fauci, when questioned by Alexander, said it would not be reasonable to expect a vaccine to be ready for back-to-school season this year. That would be in September and August for most of the country. Trump has said he would like to have a vaccine by the end of the year. Quote, the idea of having a treatment or vaccine ready by the fall would be something of a bridge too far, he said. Admiral Brett Gwar... The Assistant Secretary for Health emphasized that the U.S. had conducted more than 9 million COVID-19 tests, a number far greater than any other country, and double the per capita tests performed to date in South Korea, a nation that many have helped believe as the model for handling the coronavirus effects. He noted that by the late summer and early fall, he expected the U.S. to be able to perform between 40 and 50 million coronavirus tests per month. Democrats see the hearing as an opportunity to separate Fauci from the president, whom the medical expert is almost always with when he appears publicly, so that Fauci will feel free to criticize Trump. Critics of the president have argued his response to the coronavirus was wholly inadequate, with Trump initially downplaying the threat before letting petty policies get in the way of helping states overwhelmed by the threat before moving too quickly to open, reopen the economy. Trump previously blocked Fauci from appearing before a House committee, saying the members of the Democratic-controlled House are, quote, haters. Fauci has said very little critical of Trump in his public appearances, but is expected to warn against reopening the economy too soon on Wednesday, according to the New York Times. If, quote, if we skip over the checkpoints in our guidelines to open America again, then we will risk the danger of multiple outbreaks throughout the country. This will not be the only result in needless suffering and death, but would actually set us back on our request to return to normal. End quote. Fauci told the Times in an email, Until now, we've mostly heard from the members of the coronavirus task force through the distorted lens of the White House press conference, where the president often prevents them from answering fully and interrupts their responses or even contradicts their facts-based evidence. End quote. Senator Minority Leader Chuck Sumer, a Democrat from New York, said on Monday, This will be one of the first opportunities for Dr. Fauci to tell the American people the unvarnished truth without the president luring over his shoulder. Dr. Fauci let it rip. He added, Fauci was joined by Dr. Robert Redfield, the director of the Center for Disease Controls and Prevention, Dr. Stephen Hahn, the commissioner of the Food and Drug Administration, and GWAR. Dr. Robert R. Redfield, the director of the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, warned the Senate Health Committee on Tuesday morning that, quote, we are not out of the woods yet. A day after President Trump declared that we have met the moment and we have prevailed, Dr. Renfield is one of the four top health officials testifying remotely by video, three of which in some are in, are in some form of self-isolation after exposure to a White House official who tested positive for the virus, including Dr. Fauci, the nation's top infectious disease expert, and Stephen M. Hom, the Food and Drug Administration's commissioner. Even the panel's chairman, Lamar Alexander, is quarantined at his Tennessee home after a member of his staff tested positive for COVID-19. Dr. Anthony Fauci had said he would tell the panel that there would be needless suffering and death if the country reopened prematurely, but steered clear of language during the early part of the hearing, instead saying the consequences would be really serious. Mr. Trump has pushed for states to reopen, at times, he has, and at times he has encouraged people to defy governor's orders. There are tensions from the start. Senator Patty Murray of Washington and the top Democrat on the committee condemned the Trump administration's response to the virus, saying that Trump has been more focused on fighting against the truth than fighting the virus. She criticized delays and missteps on tests, corruption, and political interference in the government's attempts to acquire personal protective equipment, and the White House's move to put off guidelines of the CDC's drafted to help schools, restaurants, churches, and other establishments safely reopen. Americans have sadly paid the price, she said, the two-hour hearing benignly titled COVID-19 safety getting back to work and back to school is the first chance lawmakers had to publicly question the officials in Congress since Mr. Trump declared a national emergency two months ago. Quote, the United States and almost every country so far as I can tell underestimated this virus and quote Mr. Alexander said in the opening statement subtly defending the trump administration he asked his fellow senators not to point fingers mr alexander introduced the hearing by noting that senators in the hearing room on capitol hill were spaced six feet apart and were allowed to remove face masks when speaking although house officials to testify by video mr alexander said was a one-time exception News over in the Asian continent, Seoul officials secured a list of 10,905 visitors from mobile operators who were present in the Itaewon area for over 30 minutes between April 24th to May 6th and pushed mobile text messages to them asking the owners of these phones to get tested. The city also tracked down credit card transactions of 494 people out of about 1,000 who paid at the clubs and bars. Quote, messages have been sent to everyone and it will be sent once more today afternoon. For those who have received the messages, you should visit the nearby health center on screening clinics soon for the testing. End quote. Park Won Soon, mayor of South Met- Seoul metropolitan government said in a briefing, On Wednesday, South Korea reported 11 new COVID-19 cases the fourth day in a row that the number was below 15. That brought the total number of patients to 10,683, more than 8,000 of whom have recovered, with 203 seven deaths so far. South Korea has one of the lowest COVID-19 case mortality rates in the world at 2.23%. Other countries are now looking to South Korea and its three guideline principles on how to rein in the outbreak. test, trace, and contain. Perhaps most striking is South Korea's ability to tame the coronavirus response without restoring to lockdown of some kind of imposed in the UK, Italy, uh, the United States, and France. In contrast to the panic buying witness elsewhere, South Koreans for the most part stayed calm. There was no report of hoarding and other people. Hoarding were waiting to be tested or to buy a face mask, or to vote. By the time the World Health Organization issued its plea in mid-March for the countries to test, 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 South Korea had spent weeks doing just that, developing the capacity to test an average of 1,200 people and sometimes as many as 20,000 people a day at hundreds of drive through and walk-in testing centers. Mobile centers conducted the test free of charge within 10 minutes, with the result being sent to the person's phone within 24 hours. By mid-March, more than 270,000 people have been tested Testing aside, South Korea, the most connected country in the world, also used mobile technology to fight against the outbreak in the form of contact tracing. People who tested positive were asked to describe their recent movements added by GPS phone tracking, surveillance camera records, and credit card transactions. These details enabled the South Korean Centers for Disease Control and Prevention to issue alerts in real time about where infected people had been before their positive status was confirmed. Amid criticism that the system would... Trample on privacy alerts contained only the gender and age category of each infected person and names and addresses of the places they have visited. Jerome Kim, the director of the International Vaccine Institute in Seoul, said South Korea had conducted the virus through decisive and transparent leadership based on data, not emotion. Aside from testing people and tracking, isolating, and treating those infected, the government convinced millions of citizens to alter their behavior, setting out clear principles for physical distancing, and companies were encouraged to allow employees to work from home. Quote, there are compliance with advisories for social distancing measures and hygiene, also like avoiding bars, churches, gyms, and cram schools, end quote. Kim said, voluntary co- cooperation by an informed populace has been a n- notable feature of the response. Quote. South Korea has also learned a harsh lesson about the cost of delaying action. In 2015, the Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, or MERS, killed 36 people, infected 186, and forced thousands into quarantine in an outbreak traced to a single visitor from overseas. Its approach was inevitably attracted international attention. The president, Jae-in, has embarked on a campaign of coronavirus diplomacy with other world leaders, and the country was, has exported test kits to at least 20 nations, including the United States. The government's newly released playbook on how to contain the coronavirus, flattening the curve on COVID-19, the Korean experience says, quote, South Korea successfully flattened the curve on COVID-19 in 20 days without enforcing extreme measures that restricted freedom, and movement of people. While health officials remain cautious for fear of a second wave of infection, life is slowly returning to a version of normalcy. This week, restrictions on shops, restaurants, bars, gyms, cram schools, and religious services, the latter the source of the country's biggest single outbreak, were relaxed. National parks, forests, and other recreational parks were believed to carry low risks of infection are set to gradually reopen. While physical distancing will remain in place until at least early May, until... Until we reach herd immunity or we achieve similar levels with a safe and effective vaccine, the new normal will be stress on hygiene, social distancing, and potential local crackdowns may continue, said Kim. The ruling party comfortably victory in last week's National Assembly election has been interrupted as popular approval for the government's handling of the crisis. But as in so many other countries, the highest praise is reversed for exhausted health workers. Cool. I think the government has done a good, responsible good job, said Lee Ming-young, 35, who spent a time in hospital after contracting the virus from her husband. I know other countries are looking to South Korea as the numbers have gone down here, but I think it is because of the hard work of health officials and not politicians. End quote. Whichever group deserves credit, South Koreans are eyeing a time in which COVID-19 is no longer the sole determinant of the way they live. There was evidence of that in Seoul this week where people were returning to work and flocking the shopping malls and restaurants. For Kim Tae-hong, a 31-year-old engineer from Seoul, the cautious embrace of post-pandemic world men once again playing the game he loves i'm a member of a community football club and we went out to play on saturday for the first time in two months he said we were wearing masks while we played and we were still worried about the coronavirus but the weather was lovely and i felt refreshed end quote this sort of action would have never played out within the united states since the tremendous cultural differences in what the public and the government deem appropriate for coronavirus tracking in response despite the intrusion of privacy this sort of method would never apply here in the united states due to the belief of the natural rights and the privacy of the individual okay Time for something that I like today. (music) Donald Trump's new press secretary was asked if she would like to retract a statement saying that the president would, quote, never allow COVID-19 to come to the United States before her abrupt exit. This quote, though, that the reporter was asking was taken out of context. The press secretary was said, in the earlier of the month that she wants to help never allow the COVID-19 to come to the United States through the Chinese um, travel ban that Trump did and that she was praising the efforts committed by the Trump administration and that she was hoping for the best, that it would never allow the COVID-19 pandemic to reach the United States. And here is the clip. It is absolutely pure gold and amazing. Um, Kaylee, in a previous life, before you were press secretary,
1: Made a comment, I believe, on Fox, in which you said President Trump will not allow the coronavirus to come to this country. Given what has happened since then, obviously, would you like to take that back? Well, first let me note, I was asked a question um on Fox Business about the president's travel restrictions. I noted what was the intent behind those travel restrictions, which is we will not see the coronavirus come here. We will not see terrorism come here, referring to an earlier set of travel restrictions. I guess I would turn the question back on the media and ask similar questions. Does Vox want to take back that they proclaim that the coronavirus would not be a deadly pandemic? Does the Washington Post want to take back that they told Americans to get a grip, the flu is bigger than the coronavirus? Does the Washington Post likewise want to take back that our brains are causing us to exaggerate the threat of the coronavirus? Does the New York Times want to take back that fear of the virus may be spreading faster than the virus itself? Does NPR want to take back that the flu was a much bigger threat than the coronavirus? And finally, once again, the Washington Post, would they like to take back that the government should not respond aggressively to the coronavirus? I'll leave you with those questions and maybe you'll have some answers in a few days.
0: That reporter just absolutely got smacked in the face, figuratively speaking. Yeah, it's not good to ask a question with those kind of premises and that notion when that's probably your only question you get asked in the entire day. So, alrighty guys, that's all for today. We'll see you next time on the Teenager's Guide to Politics.